Welcome to another episode of Stage 16. This is our 10th episode. Um, two more, Roberts, and we've passed the apparently fatal stopping point of most new podcasts. I guess 12 is like the number where people just drop off. So we're getting close. We're, we're, we're like just seeing if we're going to keep doing this thing. Um, yeah, I'm going forever. I don't know about you. But right on. I'm not I love it. Yeah. Um, all of our, <laughs> all of our six <laughs> listeners, I'm sure, will appreciate that. <laughs> I'll, do- I'll dozen of them. <laughs> um, so listen, we got so much stuff to talk about. We're just let's not <clears throat> screw around here. Let's just do it. I mean, let's start with the teaser for Obi Wan Kenobi. Yeah, man. You know that's one where I've been talking about it for a while. How excited I am, and that teaser 100% lived up to what I expect that show is going to be. It looks like a movie. It looks just much bigger, much, much more than what Mandalorian and Boba Fett have been. You know, I mean, and everybody's going to compare it to those. Those are the first two Disney Plus series to come out of the gate. And they're, they're, they're good. I mean, they are what they are. You know, they're much, we talked about this, that it is still kind of surreal that we're living in a world that has Star Wars series that look that good. Ultimately, the scripts for those shows are very hit or miss, particularly Boba Fett. I mean, out of yeah, eight episodes yeah. or out of seven episodes of Boba Fett, maybe two or three were really worth actually even discussing, you know? And Mandalorian, same deal. Mandalorian has episodes where you go, golly, that was awesome. But a lot of it just is just okay. Obi-Wan looks and feels like a $200 million Star Wars film. I mean, you, I, you know, initially that was going to be a film before Disney Plus became a thing and they started moving their content to to do it that way, which I think is smart, but it looks like that it held on to all of the the prestige and just, you know, the story and by bringing truly Darth Vader in, which there's an interesting, um, interesting article came on Hollywood Reporter yesterday where they talked about an initial concept of that show, which was going to have Darth Maul as the lead villain, not as Darth Vader. Which would have been kind of expected because Darth Maul did survive the Phantom Menace. Um, he was in the end of Solo, which took place, you know, what, like 10, 20 years after the uh, after the prequels. And that it's from Clone War, you know, lore and the comics and everything that, that Darth Maul survived. He had robotic legs attached and he was still a big you know, crime figure in the Star Wars universe. So it actually would have made a lot of sense to have yeah. Darth Maul in the show, but I prefer that they just said, "No, let's just go balls out and do it with uh, do it with Vader." You know, I love that. Yeah, I'm interesting to see how they pull that off. I mean, uh, you know, you and I again, we don't read the books and stuff like that, and I haven't followed most of the animated series, but no, I haven't followed any. Of it. I don't know about any of it. Other yeah, than and apparently, it's stuff. very, it's going to be very tricky for them to thread the needle of you know, respecting the, the sort of story history of what Obi-Wan was doing at that time and what Vader was doing at that time to the point that some people were saying, you know, how, how, how is Vader even going to be a part of it? Obviously they have this sort of new villain with this girl who, by the way, she's fantastic. Her real name is Moses Ingram. And I think her first sort of thing that she appeared in was the queen's gambit on netflix and she had a small supporting role and she was just fantastic and uh so she's kind of the new heavy i mean they have these characters that are called the inquisitors i guess which are from 
which um, Rupert Rupert Fiend, I Rupert think, Friend. Yeah, yeah, Rupert Friend. Friend. I'm a big fan of that guy, and only thing I know him from is Homeland. But he was awesome in Homeland, and I think that that's great that he's in this show. So it seems like it's really well cast. But the big, big baddie is clearly Darth Vader. You don't see in the trailer, but everybody knows he's in it. In fact, Lucasfilm, the day after the trailer release, did put out a still of Vader that just looked awesome. And I think that what they're going to do, and this is in one of the articles I read too, is that they really, they saw the reaction that people had to Darth Vader showing up in Rogue One. And doing what he did in Rogue One, where he only had, you know, two scenes, but one of those two scenes was a version of Darth Vader that fans had been wanting to see for 40 years, which was him just being brutal with a lightsaber at the height of his Sith powers, like the, you know, the, the age where he can really just fuck some shit up that lightsaber. And I have a feeling that they said, okay, this this is our opportunity. Like that's the version of Vader that we are going to put forth into this show. And then you put Hayden Christensen in it, which I, you know, you have to wonder is there has to be a scene with Vader with his helmet off and you see the burnt scarred, you know, Anakin Skywalker played by Hayden Christian. Otherwise truly what would be the point of casting Hayden Christensen unless he has at least one scene where his mask is off. It's almost, it's kind of like, you know, it's kind of like, uh, well, you could Having, say that um, about Mandalorian too, though. Well, that's what I was going to say. It's basically just like the Mandalorian. The difference is that they do at least once or twice a season have it where he takes his mask off. So I have a feeling the concept is going to be like that. But I'll take it a step further than that is that in the Mandalorian, at least um, that actor, what's his name, Sean? Pedro Pascal. Yeah, he's still doing the voice. Like, So he's still called into the voice. Who's doing the voice of Darth Vader? Because they have not said if... James Earl Jones at 91 years old is actually doing the voice or not. I'll bet he's not. I have a feeling that it's yeah. going to be a, a, a computer generated version of the voice. Kind of well, like, didn't what they, they, did didn't they say they'd done a bit of that with, I mean, Hamill comes Luke. in every episode that he's in now he, he's there, yeah. but, yeah. but they're de-aging his voice. So yeah, I, I would imagine they're going through all the audio from all the films that James Earl Jones has done and yes. pulling selected clips and, and they'll try and piece together, you know, words or phrases. Uh, I would. Yeah, say. indeed. I'll be, so I, I, I seriously. Or, or even have, I mean, look back in the day, you know, I, I auditioned to do uh voiceover ADR for Eddie Murphy and for Schwarzenegger for different things when they could not make it. Um, so there are sound alikes and yeah. Bill Jones is obviously very specific, but when you synthesize it in the way that it's it's always been done in Star Wars anyway. Mm -hmm. um, it makes I, it easier. Makes it yeah, easier. I think, I think they yeah. could get a sound alike to come in and, and you probably really would not notice. No. So I'm, uh, I'm excited. I'm terribly excited about it. I, it, I love that it's coming out uh, Memorial Day weekend, which feels like, you know, that's when the old Star Wars movies came out was Memorial Day weekend. It's a great way to start the summer at home, you know, streaming. I love it. That's one of those shows where Mandalorian in Boba Fett, it premieres at like one in the morning on uh, like Wednesday morning, Tuesday night, Wednesday morning, whatever you want to call it. And that, those shows, I had kind of waited until like seven o'clock at night, the night of to watch it, you know, because I just, I'm busy during the daytime, whatever. So I watch it at night. But by that point, there's already tons of articles online and spoiler oh, yeah. stuff that you got to watch out for, whatever. So based on 
Obi-Wan and my excitement level for that and what I think to be coming out, that's one of those shows where like, I'm not going to stay up and watch at one o'clock in the morning when it goes on. But if, if I wake up at eight thirty, nine o'clock in the morning, everything's like, okay, whatever's going on, is not happening until I've sat and watched this show, you know? <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm really, no, I'm, I'm Looks good. dude, I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah. Quality, I am. I, quality, I, quality I'm, shows. I am super excited about this series. I, if anything, I'm bummed that it's only six episodes. That's like, oh man, I know the whole thing is like leave them wanting more. And uh, and I, they're calling it a limited series. So I don't imagine that Ewan is signed up for more and they'll have to work that out monetarily if, if, if it's a success, which I don't see how it can't be a success. But uh, yeah, super excited for that. So yeah. the next thing, now this show I'm going to, talk about which i can't remember if you showed it to me or i showed it to you but this i didn't even know about this show this is a new series that's a little bit like yellowstone but sort of like with i don't know maybe the twilight zone mixed in or outer limits or something like that and it is called outer range and it stars josh brolin who we're both huge fans of going all the way back to the goonies yeah and man, I got to tell you, for people, if you haven't seen this trailer, get on YouTube and look up the trailer for Outer Range with Josh Brolin. It is one of the best trailers I've seen probably in years. Yeah, it, it's good. It is so well done. It is such a crazy build. And the music that they're using actually sounds a little bit like kind of the, the, the music from Sicario, which also had Brolin. And uh, this show is going to debut on April 15th on Amazon Prime. And so here's what it's about. Here's what uh, the, the sort of breakdown is. Josh Brolin stars as Royal Abbott, a Wyoming rancher who discovers an unfathomable mystery at the edge of the wilderness. Royal has several immediate problems. The Abbott family is reeling from the disappearance of daughter-in-law Rebecca, and they also have to deal with their gaudy neighbors, the Tillersons, or making a play for their land. So I think that's the Yellowstone sort of angle. Then there is a mysterious black void that arrives in their pasture. So Josh Brolin, Imogen Poots, uh, Lily Taylor, who I love, who was most recently on Perry Mason, but I, I think probably I know her going back to Say Anything with John Cusack. Tom Pelfrey is in it, which, Roberts, you won't know him, but he was on the, the previous season, the third season of Ozark, and honestly, the, why that guy didn't get every award, get the Emmys, get everything is, is baffling to me. He's such mm. a good actor. Really in, impressive performance. And then the last sort of name on this new show is Will Patton, who, again, somebody we love and also somebody who's been on Yellowstone, apparently. Mm -hmm. um, so the first two episodes will hit Prime Video on April 15th, and then it'll do a weekly drop like all these sort of new shows that are doing now. Mm -hmm. um, and it's eight episodes, but that trailer, man, I just was like, you know, these kind of shows, these sort of like, I don't know, X-Files things. I never really got into X-Files, things like that. I didn't either. God, I this looks either. good. It's but looks, I like Josh Brolin. I like yeah, the setting. It looks incredibly well photographed. Yeah. The music, just the, the overall sort of tone of it is crazy. Yeah. And again, we just get to sit in our living room and enjoy this sort of high quality stuff that we're getting. So, yeah, yeah, I know that we're we're both uh, excited about that. That's a big one. Other big news that came out this week. We're going to go through these quickly because we're going to try and keep this to an hour or less. Uh, Will Smith is going to do a sequel to I Am Legend 
with Michael yeah. B. Jordan. Yeah, that's exciting. Now, remind me, and and again, we do spoilers on this show, but Roberts, if I recall, Will Smith blew up at the end of that movie. He did die at the end of that film, yeah. So do you think that his appearance in the new one will be like, I don't know, maybe maybe Michael B. Jordan is playing a young Will Smith and this is flashbacks somehow, or? I don't know. I mean, that, that wouldn't, that... That's interesting. Um, apparently, the the idea was um, was Michael B. Jordan's. Um, it was idea. It was his idea, is what I'm hearing. And he went to Will Smith and to the Warner Brothers and basically said, "Look, here, I, you know, I love this film. I, I have a concept for it. That you know, what, why don't we talk about this?" So that's why Will Smith and Jordan are both producers on it as well. Yeah, yeah. I don't know because um, Will Smith did die at the end of it, so maybe yeah. it is. A maybe it is a flashback thing where Michael B. Jordan's character is kind of the star of the movie, but it he's tying in with the you know whatever Will Smith had going on before with his studying of trying to find a cure yeah. for or the maybe virus he's, he's and somehow Will Smith's son or something like that. I mean, so they yeah. have Akiva Goldsman who who um, won an Oscar for Beautiful Mind. He's back on board as well. I don't know that he's writing it, but he is producing it again with his his company. The director of the first one was Francis Lawrence, who went on to do a couple of Hunger Games movies, who had done, I guess, uh, is it, uh, what, what was the Keanu Reeves uh, movie? Oh, was? Constantine. Constantine, yeah. there you go. Um, but he is, they haven't said if he's coming back, but Francis Lawrence. Yeah, they, Lawrence haven't, they is- haven't said who's directing. Uh, that doesn't surprise me though, because Francis Lawrence is not exactly, you know, not, he's not exactly on the hot list right now, like he was 10, 10 15 years ago. So it wouldn't surprise me. Well, if, here's uh, here's another thing about that, right? Um, Michael Jordan is directing Creed three, correct? Which they are either prepping now or, or or shooting now. They're almost finished shooting, actually. Yeah, and he's sort of. He's been a good study of these directors that he's been working with. And he, he worked with Denzel recently uh, where Denzel directed him a movie called a journal for Jordan. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, he's, he seems to have been sort of shadowing directors and really getting himself into a position to direct. So, uh, you know, at a certain point, it wouldn't surprise me if Warner brothers was like, Hey, Michael B. Jordan is going to direct this sequel. I don't know. I don't, I think that's probably, a, a, I, I think it's probably out of his depth level at this point to do, you know, $200 million. Well, yeah. But FX John heavy, Watts, John Watts, who did all three of the, the uh, Spider-Man movies, the recent Spider-Man yeah. movies um, came out of a, a little movie called cop car with, you know, yeah. Kevin Bacon. Um, and yeah. it was a low budget indie and he went right to Spider-Man um, homecoming. So you know, yeah. he went from like a two million dollar movie to one hundred and fifty plus million dollar movie. It's it's certainly possible, and in the the realm of the the industry that we're in right now, uh, I would say it's even becoming more and more possible. I mean, I don't I don't know if you caught this, but Michael Giacchino, who's known as a composer, he recently composed the I have to say excellent score for the Batman. He's going to direct a Marvel series for Disney Plus, and he's made short films and stuff. Yeah. Um, I did see that. That that is interesting. Composer going. Yeah. I mean, look, there's a lot of content out there. They're looking for directors. You know, the studios, TVs. I mean, everything. I mean, they're. Yeah, you know, I mean, they're and, if anybody's looking, my, I'll, I'll be happy to give up my phone number. Yeah. <laughs> Hitch up to Instagram. Stage sixteen. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's. Um, I mean, look. It is. It's entirely possible that 
Michael B. Jordan has a phenomenal experience directing Creed 3 and the film is just going to be the greatest thing ever made. And Warner Brothers watches that and goes, how would you like to direct this? You know, what do you think? Um, it's absolutely possible. I, yeah. You know, and I mean, I should say that Giacchino is not directing a massive feature. He's directing a, a Halloween special in the sort of Marvel vein uh, with uh, Gael Garcia Bernal in the lead. So it's kind of, it's like a werewolf thing, I guess, that's going to go on Disney Plus. So it's not like two hundred million dollars. It's like thing. a Halloween. It's a Halloween special. Yeah. That's, that's right in my wheelhouse. That's fun. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, I know you love that. That uh, love Halloween. Yeah, love Halloween. There's so much to get through. Um, a little production still of Guillermo del Toro's new Pinocchio film, which is a it's a live action film with Tom Hanks, no less, as Geppetto. And, and, and I guess it's a CG animated puppet uh, of, of Pinocchio. Uh, they released a still of that, which looks Pinocchio-ish, as you would expect. Yeah. Um, the uh, Jiminy Cricket voice will be done by Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Cynthia Erivo is the Blue Fairy. Keegan-Michael Key is Honest John. He, I, I think he was the Fox. Lorraine Bracco from, you know, Sopranos. Mm -hmm. is playing a character called Sophia the Seagull, which I don't recall from the original, but maybe she hangs around the whale. And Luke Evans is the coachman who, of course, takes uh, takes wayward children out to the out to the island <laughs> where they can destroy stuff and turn into donkeys. The image looks cool. I'm curious, uh, Roberts, we've never really talked about him. And I don't know if you got to see Nightmare Alley since it's been on HBO Max. No, it's kind of been on my list of things to watch, but I just haven't gotten to it yet. Have you seen it? Uh, I did because I, I watched it for, you know, Academy consideration kind of stuff. Do you like it? I mean, I, I'm, I'm going to get shit from people that listen to the show probably, but I'm not a huge fan of Guillermo del Toro's direction. Yeah, I've never really been either. I think he's a phenomenal designer which i guess you know that's his background he comes from creature design and art department stuff his movies always always look stunning mm -hmm. the creatures look incredible the sets are you know absolute perfection the movies always kind of leave me wanting yeah um, i think they come off a little flat a lot of, yeah lot of, exactly a lot of production design a lot but not a whole lot more than that yeah and that goes all the way back to like mimic and look, I, I appreciated the shape of water. I don't think it was a best picture winner, but there you go. It won. I mean, I've been well off the Oscars for a long time. Yeah. Nightmare Alley, phenomenal cast. You get Bradley Cooper, you got Kate Blanchett, you got Richard Jenkins. It's just on and on and on. And they're so good. But again, I came away from the movie going like, yeah, okay. All right, fine. And no, I even listened to other podcasts, like I listen to Elvis Mitchell, uh, the treatment, and I listen to these interviews and they talk about, you know, these themes and stuff. And I'm like, boy, I didn't get that at all from the movie. I just, I don't know. Yeah. Even his one. Hellboy films, they're okay. They're yeah. fine. They look cool. Well, that's partially why Nightmare Alley, even though it's been on HBO Max and Hulu for a couple weeks now, has not, I haven't fired it up because I've just been always an, an average fan of his. Nothing special to me. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so that, you know, Pinocchio, it's an, I, I'm, I'm, I'll watch it at home. 
<laughs> that's that's sort of my stance on that one. That's um, <laughs> my stance on most movies nowadays. But yeah, speaking of is. movies, I'm going to watch at home um, is the Batman. So I have not seen that because I refuse to see a three hour film in the theater anymore. But tell me, uh, I know you you were a big fan of it, right? Yeah, man. I mean, look, I I guess I went in with no expectations. I did not watch a lot of the trailers. The stuff I had seen. For example, of the the Batmobile, I was not enthused about it. I do like Robert Pattinson. I think mm-hmm. the movies that he's that he's been able to do post uh, Twilight, he's done some really interesting stuff, and he's given some really impressive performances. The one that sticks out is a movie called Good Time, uh, which was a Safdie Brothers movie, and uh, he's just he's he's solid, man. Um, yeah, so I went and I and I also like Matt Reeves movies. I, I liked his version of let the right one in. I liked the planet of the apes movies he did with Andy circus. Of course he reunites with Andy circus and the Batman. So yeah, I, I but I kind of went in, I was like, look, I like Pattinson. I like Matt Reeves. I like Colin Farrell. I like, I love John Turturro. I, I like Zoe Kravitz. Yeah. She's really good. So I went in saying, look, I like all these people. I don't know if this movie's going to be my jam. I'll tell you, man, I didn't even, I didn't even leave my seat to go to the bathroom. I mm. sat there. That's hard to all the really, really intrigued for the whole thing. I yeah. thought it was like a, a weird meld of like Fincher's seven, which, you know, everybody's saying now, but that's clearly what, what influenced it. It's very much a, a sort of detective story and yeah. you have to pay attention because it's, it runs pretty deep and the connections of people to other people and stuff like that. But man, it's really well done. And that score, again, going back to Giacchino, I think he he's an Oscar winning composer. He's no slouch. He's made a lot of good scores, but man, is this probably for my money, his best score by far. Nice. And yeah, I'm anxious, I'm anxious to see it. I, I, I hope that it sticks to to what HBO Max was initially saying that 45 days after theatrical release it was going to be on HBO Max, and I'll watch it on night one. I'm looking forward to checking it out. Yeah, I I, I think um, I mean I th- I don't think they're going to repeal that now. It's it's doing very nice business, but I don't think they're going to stop that train. Um, it it is uh, yeah, really solid film. What's interesting about it is that. There's there really isn't a Bruce Wayne in it. I mean, he is he's he's Bruce Wayne a little bit, but not yeah. much. Yeah. And what's sort of striking to me about that is when you th- when you think of the Keaton Batmans, I'm sort of not going to talk about Kilmer or, or Clooney. But when you think of the Keaton Batman or you think of the the um, Christian the, Bale. Yeah. The Christian Bale Batman, the, the Nolan series, they sort of all lean into this idea that the real performance is the Bruce Wayne. Right. Like the splintered, fucked up, tortured guy, Batman. That's who he really is. He has to put on a show as Bruce Wayne. In this version, he doesn't even know who he is on either side. He's, you know, it's not a spoiler. When the movie starts, he's been Batman for two years. It's not, Mm -hmm. we don't get any origin story we already know we walk into the theater with that history of his parents getting killed in front so of him. So you mean they didn't they didn't show for the hundredth time his parents no. getting killed? Good. No. <laughs> and, and, We've and, seen that ad nauseum now in Batman. And he's stories. in yeah, he's he's in Gotham and and he's like a he's like a recluse. He's a, he's almost like a Howard Hughes. Like people don't expect to see him anywhere. 
as Bruce Wayne. And because Batman's been out being a vigilante for two years, by the time we get to him, when that bat signal goes up, it's it's almost like, yes, it's calling him to meet with Gordon, but it's also just a general deterrent for thieves and killers and whatever. And it's just really effectively done. So I can't wait for you to see. It. I think we should have a nice long conversation about that. Yeah, well, hopefully it's going to be in about 35 days. Um, <laughs> but, you know, speaking of Batman, I have to say the Batman that I'm more excited about is what we're going to see in The Flash, uh, which is going to you know be the multiverse thing and have Michael Keaton and Ben Affleck in it. And they ju- Warner Brothers just announced that they pushed that from November of this year to June of next year, which is highly disappointing as a fan. <laughs> anxious to see that. But it doesn't overly surprised me because I always thought it was kind of odd that Warner Brothers was going to have two different films, three different versions of theatrical Batman in, <laughs> in the theater in one calendar year. Because, if, and I, I think that there's certain audiences that, you know, your general audience would probably be confused by that. It's just, it's an odd thing, but that's, that's the world that we live in now with, you know, multiverses and every other movie being a comic book movie, whatever. But it doesn't surprise me because they would have had to start putting trailers for the Flash out, you know, probably May, June for, you know, start promoting the November release. And, you know, everybody's going to know that they would it got Batman in it. That's about the same time that the Batman would be making its, you know, Blu-ray, like iTunes, you know, whatever, like, you know, the home home release push around a similar time. So it actually doesn't surprise me that it's like, okay, let's, Let's give 2020 to this iteration of Bat or 2022. Sorry, let's give that to this iteration and Robert Pattinson and let them have their you know that. And then later in the year, once this film is you know nine months in the past, then we can start going. Okay, now we're going to start the promotion for the Flash. Which, granted, it's called the Flash and that character is a star, but I have a feeling that you're going to see a lot of Michael Keaton and Ben Affleck in the promotion of that film, yeah. because those are obviously, especially Michael Keaton is yeah, well, the real. I've, I've never been hook. a bat, bat fleck guy, uh, but you know, I'm a Michael Keaton guy in general. I like that. Like I gotta say, I think bat fleck, I think he was underrated. I liked him as Batman. So I, and, and the yeah, films, I just, he wrote, I just didn't get into the, the, the Snyder verse and the whole, uh, I just well, didn't fil- get into the tone of it. The films that he were in were not that great. And and even he's admitted that, but he said in interviews recently that he's really excited for this because he felt like that he was able to kind of go back and get it right. You know, like he, he, he's a big comic book fan, Ben Affleck. I mean, he played Daredevil. He's, you know, he's talked about what a big comic book fan he is and it had to be bittersweet to be cast as Batman and then have the films that not be received and not well and not be kind of like brought, you know, remembered well. So I definitely think that there's something about that to be able to go back five or six years later and kind of go, okay, this is, this is, I want to do this right. I want to be in a film that is remembered well, and hopefully this is it, you know? And, uh, yeah, it's exciting. So that, that's, you're, you're going to be bummed out because, uh, Tamira Morrison is in that movie. So that'll depress you, but. Tamara Morrison's also in uh, Aquaman too, which also I know. Well, cause he plays his dad, right? He's, I know that. And I don't Um, like him. He puts me to sleep. Yeah, I know. Interestingly, so that that movie, the Flash movies, is from the director of It and It Chapter Two, Andy Muschietti, which, 
yeah, see, I'm not that into them. I, I well, you don't I like horror like, films in general. That's not your genre. Yeah, but my I, well, my problem wasn't that because I love the Tim Curry original. My problem, and I actually I love the cast for the most part of of the the new films that he did. My yeah. problem with those movies was I felt like he so easily backed into CG mania. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. The, the original Tim Curry one, when when the little yeah. boy in the raincoat goes to the thing and like, you know, he just vanishes. And to me, like, you know, you go back to Jaws 75, right? It's the stuff that you don't see that's actually scarier. If they can just suck out all the sound and drop the music and just, you know, somebody just vanished. I mean, that's just creepy. But when they turn it into like, you know, monster teeth and he chomps the little boy's arm off and stuff like that. I think it was well done. I I, I would agree that I think it leaned a little too far into the CG territory, but it didn't go to the levels that some horror films do. Cause at the end of the day, computer effects are not, they're not that scary. You know, I mean, yeah, exactly. Practical is what's scary you know, practical effects and in doing and doing a mixture of CG. And I feel like that the it films did have a mixture of both, but I would agree with you. There, there were times where it leaned a little too far into the CG world. So we'll see what, what the flash brings in June of 2023. Um, <laughs> well, that's the thing. I mean, we're getting Keaton granted 70 year old Keaton or 71 year old Keaton. But damn, he looks good though. I mean, yeah, uh, but wait, I mean, I don't even care. Like it's great. Just put him back in the costume and get him in the Batmobile and let's, let's see more of it. Keaton's having a real Renaissance right now. You know, there was a period where, I don't know, like for 10 or 12 years, like he didn't do much. Like he just wasn't out. So he, I mean, to be fair to Mr. Keaton, he took himself out, right? He, yeah, he uh, probably not long after like his appearance in Jackie Brown, which was excellent. He was, uh, I think he wanted to raise his son. Yeah. And, and I think his son is also named Sean. I don't know. Cause you know, that's a good cool name. name, but he wanted to raise his kid. He wanted to be around his kid and he'd been on these movies. He, he did the Batman. Well, movies what, and, I like that. And, I've seen him in interviews lately and he is kind of a normal guy. He doesn't live in yeah. Hollywood. He doesn't live in Los Angeles. He, he, yeah, he, he, bought, a, just, he bought a ranch. Some, I think it's yeah. in Wyoming. And he like, seems like a really normal guy. And in the last couple of years, he's been working a lot. He, a yeah. lot. Well, that's and, what I was going to say. Really is, quality work. That's what know? I was going to say is he took himself out. And he raised his kid and he just had family time. And then his son grew up and had a life and went away. And Mike was like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm ready to come back. And the thing is, I put him in the category of somebody like Kurt Russell, where they can take these extended breaks because they're such goodwill towards them. And that's right. People love projects that they made and people are like, Hey, where you been, man? We, we like you, (laughs) you know? So, so even when his first couple movies didn't do so well, like the founder, for example, which I personally really liked, I like that film too. You know, didn't make a lot of box office, but you, what you couldn't take away from that was that, well, Mike, Michael Keaton's like phoning it in. No, he was getting Yeah. Amazing performances immediately upon his return. That's right. Um, so, yeah. yeah, I think. So him this, coming back is to his signature role. You know, Batman is his th- signature role yeah. 30 years later. It does feel like really coming for full circle for him. Yeah. You know, it's, it's amazing. Like and by the way, he, later, just, you know? he just won an Emmy Award for. Um, Dope, Dope Sick, Sick which, which he was so good in. Yeah. Yeah. He's beautiful and heartbreaking in. Um, yeah. 
Yeah. He did that movie Worth that we talked about maybe our first or second episode. Not not a great movie, but again, another damn good But he shows up. Yeah, he yeah, shows up. He's and he's good. just one of those actors where it's what you said, there's goodwill. He's very likable. You know, it is like Kurt Russell. You know, Kurt Russell, I worked with him. He's one of the nicest guys and he's been around a similar amount of years, like Michael Keaton, 40 years in Hollywood. And he's, he doesn't have a reputation for being an asshole. And he just is a normal guy. And yeah, you build that goodwill. So you can just kind of come and go into Hollywood. And Kurt Russell is an example where he, you know, he, he was kind of quiet for a while. And then all of a sudden he started doing really good work in big films, not starring, but supporting roles in the fast furious franchise yeah. and then the guardians, guardians of the galaxy. Yeah. yeah. And, you just love seeing that because he's just it, it. It is very much in the same school as Michael Keaton, where you well, like. Well, the him thing is, like, there's him. not there aren't a lot of those guys. You know what no. I mean? Like, they these two guys that we're talking about, Keaton and they're at the I same mean, age, are both right around yeah. seven years old. And yeah. I would put Bridges in that category too. Certainly, yeah. Um, but there's not a lot. Like, those are the three that I can think of off the top of my head where. They yeah. were in some stone cold eighties classics, right? Like Kurt yeah. Russell with the thing and big trouble. Speaking of Kurt Russell, you know something funny. Uh, 26 years ago today, uh, executive decision was released. Not like, not a great, great film, but a pretty decent no, but film. You know what? I, I, watched it, I watched it about two weeks ago on HBO max yeah. uh, just to watch it again. And I was yeah. like, you know what? This is a good movie. It's that a was, good movie. That was primetime Kurt Russell. Like he had that, that was, he was in, in the mid nineties. He had a good run. Really, on a, with some good films with Tombstone, with Stargate, with yeah. that, and it, then then it kind of led but into. Then, some but not, then he did Escape from L.A., which was Escape from L.A. and Soldier. Soldier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tucson. Neither one of those received very well or very good pictures, but it doesn't matter. He's still like, and I'll tell you that in Escape from L.A. and Soldier, Kurt is great in them. The movies yes. are not very yes. good. The script well, sucks, but that's what I'm talking about yeah. with Keaton. Like he he can make a movie like Worth, which. You know, it was trying to be something important. It was about 9-11, but, you know, it was on Netflix. It's an okay movie, but he's incredible in it. And so he shows up, you know, the the fact that these guys have a couple classics in their resume that everyone loves. I mean, uh, even Keaton, let's let's go outside of Batman and for his classic. Let's talk about Mr. Mom, you know? Yeah. Uh, Every time that's on, I sit and watch it. Yeah, he's, he's just... He's just loved. So, yes. Well, have I'm, you heard this? They've been talking about this for 35 years, but apparently Beetlejuice 2 is coming maybe closer to fruition. I read yeah, something about that I a week ago. That, but yeah. then I couldn't find any other. I, I, like, as soon, I was like, wait, really? And then I looked it up. I was yeah. like, is, it, is Tim Burton doing it? What's happening? And I couldn't find anything I don't know, else, but so. I, that's another one where I can see that easily happening. I can, I can see especially if his return to Batman is very well received, which I think it will be. I think they're going to go look. Absolutely. You know, even if it's an HBO max movie or whatever, like yeah. let's get Keaton in the makeup. He still, he looks right. great. Just throw the makeup on him and let's do Beetlejuice too. Maybe yeah. Tim Burton will produce it, you know, whatever, you know, but I, I do think there's still a good chance that we see that again. Well, that, that would be amazing because I also revisited Beetlejuice fairly recently within the last few months. And I was, on watching HBO it, I was watching it and thinking th- that this movie never gets made today, ever. Not even in the stream. No, like, it's, it's too, too weird. It's too weird. It's too out there. It just would yeah. not be made. And yet it's. They amazing. definitely swung for the fences with that. I mean, and, yeah. it, and it holds up 35 years later, 34 years later as a brilliant film for its weirdness and just its yeah. dark, dark humor. You know, I mean, that 
the stuff with Jeffrey Jones and Catherine O'Hare and Winona. I mean, they, their dialogue is just this dysfunctional family is gold. You know, it's just dark, <laughs> it's great. you know, it's great. and it's, and it's great. And it really does hold up well. Um, but you're right. I don't think, I think that's too weird. I'm too weird to be made today, you know, but, yeah. back then, but, the, but if they're going to build a sequel off him, I mean, I remember back in the day, somebody had, there was a script that floated around town called like Beetlejuice goes Hawaiian or something. Yeah. Like that's that's kind of goofy. I'd, um, I'm like, I'd like to see, and I, you know what else? I'd like to see Alec Baldwin and Winona Wright. Like, I'd like to see all of them come back. Yeah, all these know? people, all these, you know, because of the Rust thing, all these sort of like people that are making this a political football for the, the Alec Baldwin thing. I like Alec Baldwin. I still like Alec Baldwin. Uh, him and Gina Davis back would be excellent. We'd get Winona back in there. That would be you know, super bring cool. Catherine O'Hara back. You know, yeah. Jeffrey Jones. I think I think he's passed. Yeah, he is. I think. But yeah, so you know, but bring bring them all back in in one form or another. You yeah. know, I mean, and I would love to see Tim Burton come back to that. You know, I think I could see him do it. Like Tim Burton's a type where he's he's very much off in his own world. I think mean, he literally just doesn't care anymore. He's just yeah. I mean, he might he's maybe, been this way, he's been this way just, forever. Maybe he just he's do whatever he wants it. to do. But the thing is, his yeah. his vision, you know, the sandworms and all that, like it's so specific to him. I mean, it's right. all that's he, why he, I say he, that I don't. He repeats it movie want. to movie, like yeah. you know, Nightmare to Christmas has those like swirly hills and stuff. Like that's just his yeah. vibe. But you'd have to get somebody to sort of sign on to continue that, which I don't, that would be hard to do. Like get somebody, Hey, make this movie, but it still has to look like a Tim Burton movie. It still has to look like the original. I could see Tim uh, coming back though. Frankly, if the script is good, I, and I, I, I could see Michael Keaton picking up the phone and going, come on, man, it'll be a, it'll be a blast. Let's go. Yeah, I, can see, I hope that know. I hope that that happens again. I haven't seen any other info about it, but I hope it happens. Going back to the flash. Uh, that was not the only movie to bump black yeah, Adam, which is the rocks. Uh, DC film, which was sort of tipped in uh, Shazam in 2019. So that mm-hmm. movie was supposed to come out in December 21, and then it was pushed to July of this year, and now it's been pushed again to October of this year. Probably, one assumes, uh, you know, visual effects work and and editorial tweaks. It's the same director that The Rock just did uh, Disney's Jungle Cruise with. Yeah. Um, but this has Pierce Brosnan, which will be nice to see him back on screen. So I know, Robert, you're not a big fan of The Rock at this point, but. Yeah, in Black Adam, I really have very little interest in that. With yeah, the, other film, the films that were pushed that, that disappointed me were The Flash and, frankly, Aquaman 2, which I know you're yeah. not a big fan of Aquaman 1. Not at all. I liked, I liked it. I didn't love it, but I love the world. I love Jason Momoa. I love the world they created with it. I like Patrick Wilson. I like a lot of things about that film. Actually, it's not. Yeah. It's not. A, it's not a perfect film by by any stretch. But I feel like it did some real world building that I think they're going to really build off on a sequel. And I was yeah. excited about. Yeah. And I mean, it's, I, not, I, it's I got not, pushed. not enough for me. I'm just not a fan of this this iteration of DC. The Batman version, like the Matt Reeves Batman version, I am. The Affleck version, the Snyderverse version, the aquaman stuff i just i i honestly thought aquaman was one of the dumbest movies i'd ever seen when it made a billion dollars my mind just about melted and fell out and i saw it twice in imax just seeing yeah i mean i just because i love the world i think joe i i i I wasn't as hypercritical i get it i I get it and that's fine um the fact that they pushed that 90 days not a gigantic push but they pushed it from december to march was disappointing but it also makes me wonder you know usually around christmas 
historically anyway, there has always been a big, at least one big event Christmas film coming out the week of Christmas. And, you know, it's been Star Wars films for a while. It was actually Aquaman back in 2018 was that film. And that this was coming out the week before Christmas. And now with this push, I'm wondering, what is, that's interesting. Like, well, honestly, uh, you know. I'm, I'm, uh, I can't say anything about it because the company that I'm working with is, 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 uh, working on it. So I can't say anything, but what I can say is that it, it looks cool. Um, there's a lot of visual effects to be done. What Aquaman two? No, 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 not Aquaman two. I, I don't know why they shifted. Their what are you whole, talking about? I, I don't know. I was talking about black Adam. I don't oh. know why they shifted their whole DC slate the way they did. That just seems strange to me. Like, why do all of those movies just bump them all? Um, well, I, so The Rock announced before it was officially announced that Black Adam was being pushed to the third week of October. And, I knew, and that's two weeks before The Flash was scheduled. So, oh, shit. You know, now here, here comes all the pushes. And then sure enough, like an hour later, Warner Brothers pushed them all and Right. So yeah, why, this, why do you think that? I mean, the Black Adam, I can I can tell you it's because it's a massive movie and they have a lot of effects they're still doing. Um, I, so that well, is my guess. But why do you think they bumped all of them? I think that Aquaman may have been bumped for the same reason, because literally they just wrapped that film like a month ago. And literally every single frame of that film has visual effects in it, every single every single frame. So they, that may have been part of the reason. Yeah. And I also well, think, and I think that for the flash, um, which flash wrapped last fall. So, I mean, that film, you know, they're deep in the post on that, but I literally think it has to do with, uh, with this version of Batman. I think they yeah, just said it's not smart. Batman a, a wide berth. Yeah. It's not, I think they're going, it's not smart to release two versions and are actually three, but with, like I said, with two films of Batman in a period of 10 months. Because right. they're going to, but I know. But of, you, you also said that you know people might be confused or something. But do you think after Spider-Man: No Way Home grossing a billion dollars, like everybody on the planet saw it, do you think people are really confused with the idea of a multiverse at this point? Not maybe not confused, but I still think it goes back to just giving it a wide berth. And I do think that honestly, part of it may have been a bit with Matt Matt Reeves and and all those actors and producers, whatever, on the Batman because. They've been filming the Batman for two years. That started prior to COVID, got shut down, blah, blah. You know, so they, that's been a long time coming. Right. And then they started announcing Michael Keaton and Ben Affleck and The Flash. And all of the Batman buzz was about The Flash. Like for a while there, nobody really, you know, nobody really seemed to talk that much about Batman because people were way more excited about, about Michael Keaton returning. So yeah. I do. I I kind of have a feeling that Matt Reeves and those producers may be like, I get, you know, we're we're trying. This is not a one off. Like clearly, you want at least a trilogy of films, which we have, you know, planned. And Robert Pattinson, everybody signed off from Opal Pictures, whatever. But you give us give us room to breathe. Like don't come in and crush yeah. us. You know, yeah. three months after the release of this with Michael fucking Keaton, <laughs> you know, like who, yeah. I mean, I'm sorry, like Robert Pattinson, Michael Keaton, who does, who do people want to see more as fucking Batman? You know? Yeah. So yeah. that's yeah. my feeling is that probably it's like, look, we, we don't want to, we don't want to upset the apple car. We do have a good thing going to Batman. Clearly that is our thing going forward. Like yeah. our, our franchise going forward. Although Michael Keaton is tipped to return as Batman in not only, you know, the, the Batgirl series, but maybe other stuff. So I do think that it was partially that it's like, let's not, let's not upset Pattinson and Reeves and those guys. Let's give them 2022 is their Batman. Yeah. And, and 
Well, maybe the case, maybe the case. Um, yeah. Speaking of people signed up for multiple movies and all that stuff, Denis Villeneuve is in prep already on the sequel to Dune, which you and I spoke earlier on this show. We we weren't we weren't sure about it, but I think both of us in subsequent watches on I HBO liked it Max, better on, upon upon yeah really Dune, sort yeah. of um, had, grew in appreciation for it. So this week yeah. they announced that Florence Pugh. <clears throat> is in early talks to join the cast of the sequel. Um, so it'll have all the people from the original, Timothy Chalamet, Rebecca Ferguson, Zendaya, et cetera, et cetera, Javier. Um, but they are adding some cast members. So Florence Pugh, Robert, remind me, did you see Black Widow? Uh, did not see Black Widow because not a big okay. Marvel fan, but I okay. know who she Which, is. Yeah. Now you should watch it because it's just kind of like a standalone spy movie and it's pretty fantastic. But she steals the whole damn movie, which is hard to do from Scarlet. She's also currently in production on Oppenheimer with Chris Nolan. And rumor has it she is auditioning uh, along with a host of other young women for a Madonna biopic that is being directed by Madonna. <laughs> and apparently yeah. Madonna is putting these uh, women. No, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I had not heard Madonna directing. I had not heard. This. Yes. Madonna is directing her own biopic and casting herself in it. And because of that, she is sending a bunch of young actresses out with choreographers and making them do, you know, the routines from like Vogue and all this kind of stuff. Uh, and it's apparently like, it's, it's like, you know, Chris Nolan's no, no Joker. No pressure when, there. It's like, it's like Chris Nolan's Joker when he's like, we're going to have tryouts, you know? Mm. <laughs> um, yeah. So no all these girls are getting ready to shank each other to play Madonna. Now, if, if Madonna gets offered to Florence Pugh, um, I don't know. Maybe she has to pass on Dune or vice versa. Uh, the other person that they're talking to is this uh, young actor who most people only know at this point from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. His name's Austin Butler. Mm -hmm. um, he's the guy that shows up at Leo's house at the end of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and starts all the mayhem that happens in the house, but he is also in talks to join Dune and the trailer that just got released with him is, uh, Baz Luhrmann's Elvis and he plays mm -hmm. Elvis. Yeah. He's, he's, he's kind of a hot commodity. Yeah. Right now, it's Hollywood. like supposedly a star making role. This, this Baz Luhrmann thing. So he's going to come on potentially the sequel to Dune and he's going to play, I think one of the Harkonnen, which is, uh, you know, connected to Dave Bautista's character and things like that. Again, I didn't read those books. I'm not uh, crazy about that kind of stuff, but my appreciation for the movie has grown and the character that he would play in this version of uh, Dune is the character that Sting actually played in David Lynch's movie from 1984. So that's kind of interesting yeah i'm you know look i i think dune is a challenged film because it is literally half of a film it, it, yeah it, exactly exactly it's very odd because you know it starts out saying part one so i mean you know it's very obvious like this is half a film and it feels that way and not you know moves at its own pace whatever it just ends kind of in the middle of the story it's pretty bold of hbo to do that the way yeah. they did it. Yeah. Um, but they did, you know, and the film made, did well. They, what, it didn't just, you know, crush the box office, but clearly it made it up. But I also think they just wanted to keep Denny happy as far as a filmmaker and keep him in the, sure. uh, in the fold. 
so yeah, so it will be interesting to see what Dune Two, um, what that looks like, and be able to go. And to me, it's almost like it's not Dune Two; it's just Dune. It's, it's there's just part the one and yeah, part it's two. Part, it's, it's just it's, the second half of the story that we didn't. Right. Get. Yeah. Right. But it definitely um, had some interesting world building in. Yeah. So this know. guy, this this Elvis movie is going to premiere at Cannes. It was just announced along with Top Gun Maverick. And what's Top Gun Maverick? Is that real? Yeah, yeah. Supposedly that's that's a real movie. Um, I still think it's so insane he, that we don't have any damn trailers. He's gonna have that. a lot of heat off of that. Yeah, so it's smart actually that that Warner Brothers is going ahead and kind of booking him now before the Elvis thing premieres and before you know before right. his quote goes right. up, so to speak. You know, right. Couple more pieces of business here. Let's. Uh, I'll stick with. Uh, I'll stick with movies for now. Um, did you get a chance to look at the Adam Project on Netflix? Have not, but it's it, one night this week. I'm going to watch it. Okay, we'll, so we'll talk, talk about, about that. We'll, next we'll talk about it in the next episode then. But it's it's fun. Um, I don't. I, I would not agree. I mean, maybe if I was like a 10 or 11 year old, I would have a different response. But there's, a lot of the reviews are saying it's like Back to the Future for for this generation or or ET for this generation. I didn't get that from it at all. Yeah, it's not old at statement. All. Yeah. Um, but I do like. Ryan Reynolds directed by Sean Levy. I thought free guy was great and, and an original movie. And this is again, an original story. It's not a sequel. It's not based on stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and they just announced that they're going to reteam again, only now for Deadpool three, Sean Levy and, and Ryan Reynolds, which I like yeah. the other Deadpool movies. They're fine. I, I don't love them. They're okay. But you know, it's the, the same writers coming back in Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick uh, who I'm going to talk about again in a minute, but that's cool. Uh, and, and I did like the movie Adam project. I, I didn't love it, but it was an enjoyable movie to uh-huh. like sit on my couch and, and watch Ryan Reynolds do his thing. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm anxious to watch it. It's on my list yeah. this week. For Curious sure. what you'll think. I, if anything, one, one thing I did walk away from that thinking was I, I would actually like to see Ryan Reynolds do a straight up drama now, kind of like, you know, he's done those before side. But- I mean, yeah. I know, I know he's done a few of them, but like, I, I just, he's starting to just be Ryan Reynolds and everything. And I'd like to see him go back and do something where he's yeah, actually act. Yeah. He yeah. might. I'm sure um, he will eventually. So let's see the other thing. Uh, so I'm going to go to television real quick. There is actually, no, we'll stay with movies. So there's a movie called ghosted, which is an Apple movie from Skydance and Skydance is behind you know, the, the Jack Ryan and the Top Gun Maverick that's coming out. Supposedly they have a series that is being produced by and starring Chris Evans and your girl, Roberts, Anna de Armas is an executive producer. Uh-huh. This film is written by Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick, who we just mentioned are the Deadpool guys and zombie land. And supposedly it's, it, it's like a high concept action romantic adventure movie and apple bought the thing last summer and just said go make it which is you know wild but that's the world we're in now they have just added to their cast mike moe who played bruce lee in once upon a time in hollywood amy sadaris who's been on many many episodes now of mandalorian tim blake nelson and tate donovan who for me goes all the way back to space camp (laughs) Mm -hmm. i I really like I think uh, other people, you know, a bit younger than me might know him. I think he was on Gossip Girl for a long time, played one of the parents. But 
Um, so that's kind of cool. I mean, a big, big action movie with Chris Evans and Anna de Armas is, is definitely of interest to me. Yeah, I'm in on that. Yeah, so that that was a cool announcement. They dropped a trailer this week, HBO Max did, for Tokyo Vice, which uh, stars my uh, good friend for many years now, Ken Watanabe, who, of course, uh, nominated for an Oscar for The Last Samurai, appeared in Inception, et cetera, et cetera. He's great. The pilot is directed by Michael Mann, who's kind of been away for a while, but I know you're a huge fan of, and so am I. Mm-hmm. It has that trailer. I'm sure you've watched it by now. It, it, yeah. Some of it feels like Black Rain. Yeah. We also love Definitely vibes of that. Yeah. Um, sure. There's the Yakuza stuff going on, and there's a scene in, in a police bus that literally, you know, you could take Ken and Ansel Elgort out of it and put in <laughs> Michael Douglas and Andy Garcia, and it'd be like the same shot riding to this raid, this Yakuza yeah. raid. The other episodes are directed by like Destin Daniel Cretton. Ken Watanabe's a producer on it. I have not, they haven't shared with me anything. I just think it looks cool. And again, it's HBO Max. Their biggest problem right now is the Ansel Elgort problem, which is that, you know, he's on the Me Too list um, and may have had adverse effect on the West Side Story remake that Spielberg did, uh, supposedly made some overtures to young women that that have gotten him into hot water. So remains to be seen how it gets received once it drops. But uh, it's going to premiere April 7th. So, you know, not too terribly long. And they're going to do, I guess they're going to do three episodes on the first night, which is a Thursday. That's HBO Max's deal. They usually. Yeah. Yeah. Then they're going to do do two episodes every Thursday, Mm -hmm. which is interesting. I like it. Um, so yeah, that, that's cool. Little, little TV action there. And then you sent me this, which is very cool. So NBC is rebooting quantum leap. Now Mm -hmm. quantum leap was when I was 14 years old, my favorite show ever. I mean, it just, you know, through my youth, it was like family ties and Knight Rider and stuff like that. But by the time I was in junior high, I used to have to beg my parents to stay up until 10 p.m. on Wednesday nights to watch Quantum Leap on NBC. It was a huge fan of Scott Bakula. Uh, I became a huge fan of the late Dean Stockwell. I snuck into the Universal lot as a young man and a young fan of that show and managed to get myself onto their sound stages when they were starting to shoot season two. And I had a pretty crazy, cool interaction with Scott and Dean at one point, um, which I've talked about on other podcast when I've guessed it and stuff, but, um, I was just a massive fan. I continue to be a massive fan when, when they released the series to home video, uh, there were, there were a lot of issues with the rights to the music because they had used so much sort of pop music from each period that the, the show would jump into that, that his character, Sam Beckett would jump into, you know, the seventies or whatever. Yeah. Um, and when they went to home video, I guess they could not, they either hadn't negotiated those rights or just couldn't afford to renegotiate those rights. Um, because at that point, television on home video was a, was a new idea. And so the subsequently the versions that came out, they weren't as good because they just were missing that they, they had to drop in like lesser music or lesser known music or weirder temp stuff. It was always weird, but the way that that show ended 
Um, I don't know if you were you a big fan of it, Roberts, or not. Really? I haven't seen one episode. I do okay. like Scott Bakula, and I work on a pilot with him. He's a great guy, but uh, no, that never really got my attention. Okay, so yeah. it just um, it it ended rather abruptly. I think it was the fifth season that it ended, but they tied it back to an earlier episode, which was an episode called MIA, which was by far my favorite episode of the whole series. Uh, and connected to Dean Stockwell's character, Al Calavici. And so the way that it ended, I thought was really lovely and beautiful. But the show did end with Scott Bakula's character out leaping around the universe, never returning home. So this new show has the same producers, has the Belisarios, and they've cast some new cast members, um, one of whom is a guy named Raymond Lee, who is going to be the lead who I don't really know anything about, but his sort of, I guess, version of Dean Stockwell is going to be the excellent Ernie Hudson. There you go. Speaking of 80s classic character yeah. actors. He's, yeah. I, I've met Ernie several times. Uh, I worked for a little while on a show called Franklin and Bash, and he was very frequently a guest star as a judge, they, they were two lawyers and he'd come in and do an episode as a judge in the court. And he was just a wonderful guy. I got a picture with him. He's, he's everything you would hope Winston Zeddemore would be in real life. <laughs> nice, 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 nice. Yeah. And of course he just appeared in, in afterlife. Yeah. Just great. So that excites me. A new, a new quantum leap with Ernie Hudson in it, uh, makes me happy. There you go. Um, The last thing I want to talk about. So there was this big retrospective that actually you sent me, Sean, about John Carter, Disney's John Carter, which was a $307 million bomb, apparently. And I just, it it really took me back when you sent me that article because I spent a very, very, very long time out in Utah. Uh, wearing goggles and with scarves tied across my face because of sandstorms and stuff like that. I'm working on that movie, made friends with some of the actors on that movie who I'm still in touch with today. And I just, it, it was wild to think that, wow, it's been a decade already. <laughs> like mm-hmm. so how, quickly, how quickly time goes. So, so just a fun story. So when I started on that movie, I was, I was made sort of an assistant to Taylor Kitsch, which we've discussed on the show before. Uh, Taylor like Kitsch, yeah, I like him as an actor, and I think he's gotten much better. When he was doing John Carter, I I thought he was terrible, um, but he's he's gone on to do some really great stuff. But w- he didn't get along with me. He didn't really uh, he didn't like me, and at one point he basically tried to have me replaced. And because I had a, a very good boss on that on that project, my boss made sure that I remained on the show and instead put me with people like. Willem Dafoe and Mark Strong and Kieran Hines, who's nominated for an Oscar this year, just people like that. And I found those guys to be great. Uh, they, they were just wonderful and treated me well. And it was a, it, it was a very enjoyable experience overall because of that, because I ended up getting sort of swapped out. What but, I found yeah. interesting about that article was that, and it's very true. It said that, Disney, you know, tried with that and Prince of Persia and, 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 you know, Tron Legacy. There was a period there where they were trying so hard to invent another franchise. And then eventually, and it was that year that John Carter came out, they said, fuck it, let's just buy Star Wars. <laughs> I mean, instead of like trying to do our own version of Star Wars, 
nobody cares. Let's just well, buy is, Star this, Wars. This, Let's this buy the, Marvel. The weirdest thing about it was that they greenlit this movie, and we were all standing on the set, and we're out there in the middle of Utah in the red desert looking like Mars where the closest hotel to our location would be like an hour and 40 minute drive. And we'd be standing around. And I mean, Edgar Rice Burroughs wrote that book, the princess of Mars in 1917. And anybody who was anybody in sci-fi had read that book as a kid or read it in high school or whatever. So George Lucas, and I mean, anybody they'd all read the book and they'd all sort of pilfered bits of it, <laughs> you know, yeah. everything from star Wars to Dune to, to but see, to that's whatever. the problem is that it, it had been pilfered too many times. Exactly. And, it, and that's, and that's where I think they, Disney said, look, we're not doing this. We're not doing this anymore. Like the, we, you know, it bombed. Let's, let's just buy star Wars. If we're going to try and tell our own version of star Wars, which has already been ripped off, you know, by Lucas, by so many other right. people, let's just do right. our own version. And that's why when we were, it. when we were shooting it, we were like, none of this feels new or fresh or original or different. You know, like the director who had only done animated films, Andrew Stanton, you know, Finding Nemo and stuff. He, it was like, we were working on it and everybody on that crew was going, this movie is not going to work because it's going to seem like this movie is copying all those other movies. Right. And it was not right. the case at all. It was, it was the inverse. Well, Avatar so, is the same thing. Like, I mean, even James Cameron, Avatar said he stole a ton of stuff from John Carter. Yeah. So they kind of missed. Yeah. They, they missed the boat on that. One. Yeah. That, that was a mistake. So anyway, it was a, it was a really fascinating experience to be working on that movie and seeing what they were doing. And because I was working with the actors being privy to really a lot of the the sort of behind the scenes discussions and drama and stuff like that they didn't interview me for that rap article but you know maybe in the well, future <laughs> um, they need to be we well, just told the story so they'll listen to this podcast yeah exactly exactly well um that is it for me do you, do you have anything else no not today all right, folks. Well, this has been another uh, great episode, Roberts. I appreciate uh, yeah. talking about all this fun stuff with you. We're going to have to do an episode where we just sort of talk stories, you know, from our from our long resumes, um, sure. stuff like John Carter. But uh, for another episode. So if you made it this far, thank you for listening. Always a pleasure, Roberts. And uh, we'll do it again soon. I'm sure we'll be overloaded on more movie and TV news. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks, everybody.